0: Coming up on The Mike Wise Show, our guest is one of the most influential people in the basketball world. He's a senior coordinating producer for ESPN and ABC's NBA coverage, and also a native of Charlottesville. In fact, he could still tell you about Patrick Ewing and Ralph Sampson on the same Sports Illustrated cover as me. (laughs) But first, Darlene, do your thing! The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass and so are many of his guests, right Mike? As always, thank you Darlene, a very special guest today, uh, Tim Corrigan is the man who produces all the biggest NBA games for ESPN and ABC. When you watch the NBA finals on ABC, Tim did that. When you watch the conference finals, the primetime Christmas game, or the ABC primetime games on Saturday, Tim did those too. We're catching up to Tim on the road in L.A. where he had two big games last week. We're taping on Thursday, November 21st. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Really quickly, I don't think because I have so many different kind of guests on this show, uh, from owners to GMs to uh, guys breaking down the salary cap. Tell people exactly what you do uh, for ESPN and what you've been. I know you've been there since '87, I think. But but what do what have you what do you do right now for ESPN?
1: Uh, In my current role, I'm the coordinating producer for NBA event coverage, which is uh you know i get the the privilege to be honest with you is the best way to look at it of coordinating our efforts with the nba uh internally with all our different departments sales marketing um, technology all the different things that make up our nba coverage and again work with a bunch of super talented people in our studio uh, in our digital and, and all our different kind of parts of the company. And you know, we kinda work on all these things to coordinate an overall effort about how the NBA appears on ESPN and ABC and then more specifically focus operating with a technical and operations, a production operations team, a and just kind of work with that whole group to produce our, you know, one hundred regular season NBA games and what we hope to be, you know, 35 to 40 playoff games pending how long series run and things like that.
0: So basically the, the ultimate behind the scenes guy, the unsung hero of all these great games we see. Um, I'm not going to bump you up too much, but Jeff Van Gundy who I used to cover with the Knicks back in the day in New York when I was at the New York times and all, and for many years, almost more of a friend than somebody I go to for sourcing his, his big thing about Tim Corrigan is incredible calmness during frenetic games. Incre- just, just, you're the kind of guy, like you, if, if you're, if your pants were literally on fire, you would look down at them, Tim, and look up at the person who told you that and say, why, well, yes, they are on fire. I mean, that's, that's the kind of calm you have. Is that correct?
1: Well, I'm gonna tell you this. It's easy to be calm when you have people like Mike Green, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Doris Burke, uh Jimmy Moore, our director, and our fabulous uh technical operations, production. Like I'm I'm surrounded by stars everywhere. So it's it makes it easier to to do your job and focus on what you need to do when you have such incredible talent around you. So we I, I pride mar- ourselves in, in what we all do and what everybody brings to it. So, yeah, we just have an unbelievable team.
0: Do, do you even know how many live games you've produced over the years, roughly? Uh, you know
1: what? I don't. I've been, I've been producing games since uh, 1990, so it's, it's a lot of basketball, Yeah. Um, basketball, football, baseball x games just in a, yeah. a raiment of all
0: sorts of things i could um uh, because i think i got my job at the new york times in 1994 and i probably covered the nba shoot for the last 25 years in some form or fashion but i can i can give you on one hand the greatest games i've ever seen can can tim corrigan give me on one hand or or three fingers, some of the, the the incredible events that he's been a part of, and it doesn't even have to be the NBA Finals or anything like that. It just just something that you really you got out of, and you go, I can't believe I just got paid for that.
1: Oh my god! Well, I tell you what, we we've, we've all been anybody in this industry has been stealing for from the, since they started. From that, this is true because, <laughs> because, as you know, we're all so lucky to, yeah. to do what we get to do. Um, There would be nothing I couldn't, you know, when I think back of the opportunities I've been fortunate to have, the NBA Finals are without question, you know, as big as anything I've ever done. Uh, I've I've been really lucky to do, you know, World Cup soccer and Mm. and spend a month with Brazil in 1994. And to this day, I've never seen fandom like the whatever it was forty thousand brazilians who came to palo alto for oh. to watch them and it, it it was absolutely and again i've done a bunch of college football all over the country and sec and big ten and notre dame and everywhere you can think texas where the passion is as deep as it can be but that experience in 94 was i, I i've still never seen anything like that and it was the, the carnival, as they say that that travels every day was absolutely phenomenal um but yeah, you know what a lot of it comes back again to to basketball and you know doing the w n b a finals and the women's final four, yeah. And, you know, all, all um, of those have just all had so many cool moments. But, you know, the NBA Finals has to be at the top of everything.
0: Yeah. Now, the, the the Brazil 94, I remember that uh, in particular because I was still in the Bay Area at the time. And it was, just, it, was, it was as if a whole country had invaded the Bay Area and wanted to not just root for their team, but show us their lifestyle. I mean, it was incredible. I remember this guy, Warren Hoke, old editor at the New York Times. And he had this story. It still sticks out in my mind where he went down to Sao Paulo during the World Cup to do a story. And the, he had the greatest lead of all time. He went by the biggest Catholic church in Sao Paulo and the gates were locked. And there was a sign on it. And it said, and this was Sunday, closed for World Cup. <laughs> he couldn't make it up. Oh, I mean, yeah. they, they, closed it,
1: they closed the church. Yeah, if you, if you remember that time, it, it was. It was phenomenal. And, and, you know, obviously we're covering the event, so we're entrenched in it. But yeah. just that passion and that life, of, it, it meant everything to them. And I have since been in other countries during World Cup time and just seen how literally no one's on the street when the games are being played because they're all inside in a bar or, or a restaurant or wherever, gather around watching every game. So it's it, – that that event is is just phenomenal.
0: And my guess is Tim Corrigan. He, produce, he he's done almost everything at ESPN, but right now he produces all the live all the live NBA big events. And in particular, you the one thing I compare to that is the 2016 finals, uh Golden State Cleveland, when the Warriors went up 3-1 and miracle of miracles, Cleveland wins a title behind It's sovereign son. And it was just it was amazing. The whole thing. Game seven, walking into that building in game seven, into the Oakland Coliseum, the Oracle, whatever they call it. It was I mean, it it was like what it had to be like it was it felt like the Roman Coliseum in Gladiator, like everybody and their mom wanted to see Cleveland not just get beat, but be emasculated. And LeBron comes up with his block. The, I still can't believe it. The the ending, the Kyrie shot, the LeBron block on Iguadala. You're in the truck at that time. Is that correct? Absolutely. What are you doing? Are you are you what are you saying to everybody? I mean, what are you? Uh, are you just going nuts yourself? Or are you just trying to say, okay, okay, we got to get this right. We cannot miss the shot. We can't. You know, it's. I mean, the whole thing was just incredible. Yeah, you know what? If you remember, like the end of that game. Yeah, uh, there was a bunch of possessions
1: late that weren't because everybody was exhausted and there there weren't a bunch of great offensive possessions late. So literally, you know, we're just in the moment looking for what's going to come next. And, you know, you, you have a simple job at that point, man. You have to document whatever the event is and make sure as the ball's in play and the clock is running that we're on the game camera and everybody can see everything because you can't. At that point you want to see all 10 players and just see where everybody is and everything that's going on but there's a million you know a million other shots that our director jimmy moore can take at that point but i'm i'm just so proud of him for the discipline and the maturity to know not to do that and Mm -hmm. literally we're all waiting to see what's going to come next and it's funny because at that point it's you're a fan but you're just so excited to see What's going to happen? And, you know, we've all been in a million games that don't end as dramatically as that. But, you know, when LeBron makes that play, we, we've we seen the chase down block a bunch from him during his career at that point and had done a bunch on it. But to make that play and that moment, you know, that oh. is to me like what Michael did in 98 when he, when he finished off that series with the steal and, and the shot, it's just one of the great plays in NBA history. And then, at the other end for Kyrie to, to be the guy who can make that shot when oh. no one could score at the end of that game, because again, everybody's exhausted. It was, you know, it, it was just, we all had chills yeah. during yeah. it and after it. And like you said, man, the, the place was, it was just a magical place to be that night, to even, yeah. to even be there to be part of it. It was it
0: was absolutely a highlight. I mean, that, that, that Kyrie shot, if, if he doesn't make that, that's another lousy possession. For them yeah. no, no, but he just bails them out he hits this uh, you can't make it up the whole thing when in the in the truck do you guys ever i'm thinking of mike breen breeny he goes bang when he does that the do is that it's become a signature call does the truck go crazy or do they just kind of bat their eyes at each other like oh boy another bang
1: no Ooh. you know what he, he you know mike to his to his credit he's he's such a he's a pro's pro at everything he does yeah. And while people know him and that being to some just a catchphrase for him, those are those are the biggest moments when mm-hmm. that happens. And, you know, players will have fun with him sometimes and shoot arounds and stuff like that with it. But, you know, Mike has become the voice of the NBA and as you know, you know Mike, man, and, and the amount yeah. of years spent around this league doing the Knicks hundred games a year, plus doing us and everything. Like nobody's more dialed in Oh. To this and no one's more concerned about making sure he has the right words and the right knowledge of the rules and all the you know the storytelling the documentation all the things that are important to it so when mike mike saves bang for for the big moments it's not to be thrown out for anything less than that
0: yeah and he still pays homage and he, he like he really has a reverence for the, the people that came before him too. He really enjoys the, the guy, whoever it is, Marv Albert. Um, there's, there's a genuine affection there for the history of great sports announcers from Mike Breen. And he's a hell of a free throw shooter too. Uh, uh, he, he could, he can make like 99 of a hundred when, when I was playing with him, I have no idea what he does now. And he's a tough player too. He does that CYO stuff where he just puts his knee in your gut. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
1: he's he's not hitting ninety-nine out of a hundred
0: anymore. Okay, good. I didn't think so. Um that's it's it's good it's not it's good to know that he's not ageless. Uh you went to Notre Dame, correct? I did. Yeah, and um did you play did you play lacrosse there? I did. Uh, you see, I do my research and and, and <laughs> I I just threw that out there because Bruce Bernstein, uh, your friend and my producer, told me that earlier on. Um did, did you ever think about playing hoops, or no?
1: No, you know what? I was—I I play hoops like a lacrosse. Bear plays hoops. So <laughs> it, 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 it's aggressive and physical, and, and uh, I'm 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 a good defense, rebound, run the court guy. That in the uh, no, no one's given it to me to ISO to beat beat his guy or, or shoot the three.
0: So you one of these d- tried and true Notre Dame guys because. I know you grew up in Charlottesville. Your folks moved back there. I mean, I was watching. Obviously, being in the D.C. area for a while, I was watching the Final Four and even the run before that. Like I, I was transfixed. I couldn't believe they pulled it out. The, the University of Virginia men's basketball team. Were you into that team, or did you even? Is there even a connection there?
1: No, no. Still love UV. Grew up loving UVA sports.
0: That's great.
1: Um, you know, when, when Ralph came to UVA, man, it was, oh. that was such a big deal locally for, you know, even Ralph Sampson to be from Harrisonburg, Virginia, and for all of a sudden UVA to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated and things like that. I still remember the cover that had him lying one way and Patrick Ewing lying the other way. Oh. When, when they were getting ready to play, you know, it was one of those pulled-out covers. Oh no! I still,
0: I think I still have it in my basement. It would, the, and the story was, I think they called it the the indomitable force versus the irresistible object, or something. like it was, it was stunts. I don't know. It was Kirk Corey Kilpatrick, one of those guys, did it, and I still remember to this day because, ah, shoot, I was in, I was just getting out of high school myself, and it was like the biggest thing in the world.
1: Oh yeah, no. I mean, again, being from
0: Charlottesville. Virginia at that time like UEA
1: just wasn't on the map in that way so that that was clearly a big deal for us and then you know once you go to any school that has an unbelievable football across the country you you kind of become caught up in that and the whole Notre Dame football thing is just it's just an amazing thing and so yeah I, I, I try not to be over the top but I still I still follow the Notre Dame football and the and lacrosse and everything pretty closely did you uh,
0: d- d- did you like the Irish before you went to school there, or or were you, did you sort of become indoctrinated when you got in?
1: No, you know what all I knew about it was growing up, man Lindsey Nelson. We move ahead oh, to the
0: same we, series. You know, you're you're going right? to love this. Man, me and you, man, we, I, I swear to God, we could talk Notre Dame football all day. I, I grew up in Northern California until we moved to Hawaii when I was like 12. But I'm in my grandma's uh, you know den on the little TV, and I swear to God, with Lindsay Nelson, Paul Horning, but the thing was, I was young enough, seven or eight, where I had no idea about first down second downs when they would go you know we moved to game action i just thought every time ron pennick went for 40 yards off tackle that was that was their play and that, that, that so i got hooked on notre dame because of the highlights i just thought it was the regular game it, it was unbelievable
1: no it was really cool man because again it was just you know we're talking three channels and for some reason on these sundays they'd have these reairs of these notre dame games yeah so I had no reason to know who know anything about Notre Dame, but I knew about them just because of that and because of Lindsay Nelson. I just it was such a cool thing. I'm I'm from a big family. I got four brothers and two sisters and we all yeah. we always used to laugh about that and joke about that because it was literally the only program that had something like that on that.
0: Yeah, no, I and to this day, like you look at it and you go, That's why they beat now well, obviously the old Newt Rockney and, and Eric and what they became, but I still look at it as there's a part of me that thinks if that if Lindsay Nelson, Paul, they're not doing those games they're not hooking kids in Charlottesville and Napa, California, you know, it's just it's crazy. You said you come from a big family. I also know you have a cousin who's a very acclaimed author, Kelly Corrigan, and and you you claim that she's a Warriors fan of some renown.
1: Uh, Kelly loves nothing more. In the last five years, she and her husband Eddie have have been to a lot of Warrior games, and <laughs> and we've really, it's been fun to watch them because they, when they've been out in the Bay Area for a while, and they've we got attached to this team back when Mark Jackson was coaching. And they saw where it was going, and so they jumped on. Uh, when Mark got the job, they got really excited about the Warriors, and so it's just been a fun run. Uh, spending time out there with them, and that and they've just had had so much fun with all the success.
0: Yeah, if anybody doesn't know, um, uh, Kelly's first book, *The Middle Place*, is a memoir about her Irish American father's battle with cancer and her own triumph over the disease, and it was published in uh, January 8, 2008. And it shoot it reached number two on the nonfiction New York Times bestseller list. Uh, and you have a good relationship with her. You see her every time you're out there. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, no, we stayed close. Again, we're yeah. we're from a big family, and, and literally all our cousins and uh, who are our age have stayed close. And you know, I'm, my kids, it's kind of the same thing with them. My kids have like 40 cousins, and somehow <laughs> they they all have this incredible relationship, whether they're you know three years old or 35 years old. They all just seem to figure figure each other out and, and know each other and support each other. It's really neat to
0: see. Tim Corrigan's my uh, guest. He's producer extraordinaire at ESPN, and he's done almost every game. You uh, Do you have a Clippers-Lakers game in primetime on Christmas night this year? We do. Now, to me, that is that game for you as important as an NBA Finals game in terms of the look, the appearance, uh, how it comes off?
1: You know what? I'd say this, and this is the this is one of the great things about working on the NBA. Yeah. You know, when you work when you work with Hubie Brown and Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy and people like that, and you you understand how teams are built and how they go about, like what are your practice habits and things like skipping steps and all that. Like, do we want the Lakers Clippers to come off great? Of course we do, but it's not like you can't be focused on making sure everything else is great from the beginning of the season on Mm -hmm. because you can't just roll up and think that one's going to work that way. So I I really, you know, that's the neat thing about me that I've been able to have exposure and not just in the NBA, but in college football and college basketball and everything else to be around really smart people with really smart minds. who know how to build things and we try and build things long before we get to christmas day or the nba finals and things like that 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 starts in the off season with how we approach everything and and really treat everything with the with the time and the energy and the effort it deserves so when you roll into those big events you should just roll in like it's another game meaning you're always going to treat them like it's a big deal
0: my god tim corrigan i mean geez he sounds like one of the packers of the 60s or something giving everybody else credit Saying that they've got to be prepared for every game. I, I, I don't, you, you're not going to get your own podcast complimenting other people, sir. You have to start taking down some people, giving me some dirt, or we're going to have some problems. My guy, you must be a Lombardi fan. Uh,
1: I, I told you, my dad was a coach, and he was always about, you know what, it's about the team.
0: Your father, is there any other, is, is there, any, like, what's your background, your father and mother's background?
1: Uh, you know what? Growing up, my uh, my father initially was a coach. He was a uh, he started out, and this is back in the day when this is what you did. He was at UVA and a school called Washington and Lee in Lexington, Virginia. And these are the days when you would be the lacrosse coach, the soccer coach, <laughs> the assistant basketball coach, and you might work doing some other things in the athletic administration. So, when we were young, that's what he did. And then he got into administration uh, after that and really had a great career uh, working at UVA and Notre Dame and, and just doing a bunch of really cool things just because he came from that old school where athletic directors came from being coaches. They didn't come from, you know, it, it, it's so much broader now. And quite honestly, most coaches don't become ADs anymore. But in his time, that's that was kind of the progression. If you wanted, if you wanted to get out of coaching, that was going to be your next step.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, so this is the guy, and he, he was probably your coach growing up.
1: Yeah, you know what? When you grow up in a in a family like everybody played sports, everybody was okay. engaged in it. So we, you know, we spent many many a night would just sit at the dinner table talking. My dad, he was he was sometimes the old salt and pepper shaker guy like you know positioning situations and and talking them through it was it was really fun and like i said besides i got a couple coaches in my immediate family but then in in the broader family we have a ton of coaches so anything and everything you know which has been great and it's always just been fun to be around sports are you still close to them? you know what i am i'm fortunately close to uh, my He, my mom, and my six brothers and sisters, We're, we are really lucky and really blessed for the relationship we all have.
0: When I was interviewing David Stern a few weeks ago on the podcast, he told me Adam Silver's doing a spectacular job, which, you know, he was going to say that, but but he really went into why he thinks he's right for the job. How is his feedback style different from David Stern's in, in your job?
1: You know what? Here's the thing I can tell you without any question, in the time that we've been producing uh, and had a relationship with the NBA, mm. they care so much about the property and how it's presented, and I think it's great. Man, I, I, I love uh, their relationship and the amount that they care and the amount that they they want it done the right way, from innovation to storytelling. To all the things that are important about for them to manage a brand and for us to produce events yeah mm.
0: uh, and uh if we if we went to on air people i i I have to go first to Hubie because not only have people known him for years, such a character if you had to describe Hubie in a couple sentences, thoughts, oh wow, you know what he's. He's he's
1: just an encyclopedia of the game, and just he he just knows everything. He's been around so much. Uh, anybody who's been fortunate enough to to have dinner with Hubie, uh, you, you get to hear all the stories over oh. the years and everything else. And it I can I can tell you this: anybody who's who's been had the pleasure of doing that will never forget it. And again, he, he's just such a fun uh generous guy to be around he's just a really just a really neat guy and to watch the respect that he gets from all the players and coaches and everybody in the nba you know you can you know you're with someone who's accomplished so much but he has an unbelievable just humility about him. He's, mm. it it's just a privilege to be around somebody like that who's done so much
0: you, Hubie Brown in a hotel lobby lounge with a glass of Cabernet is one of the great moments anybody could ever have as not just a sports writer, a person who works in the business, but just as a human. The guy, like you said, uh, and I, I don't know if you if you think this or not, but I was watching the Democratic debate last night um, while you were probably prepping for Clippers Rockets, and, um, or no, no, you were doing Celtics Clippers um and i'm thinking to myself bernie sanders has got the same cadence as hubie there was I, I literally waited for bernie sanders to go if you are talking about sustainable energy and they are up against fossil fuels you do not want either in the painted area i mean it was it was it was, it was uncanny have you seen this similarity now nah, you know what i'm just- <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm I can't, unflappable. I can't go
1: there. I'm, I'm, I'm just the Hubie guy, man. I'm You're
0: unflappable.
1: I'm riding with Hubie.
0: Oh man. Uh, Tim Corrigan's my guest. Doris Burke, uh, a legend in her own right at this point. I I hasten to even bring up the fact that she's a woman. She. She's a great basketball mind who happens to be a woman at this point. Couldn't agree more. She's just,
1: you know what? Everything Doris Burke has now is, is what Doris Burke has earned. Mm-hmm. So she's been terrific from day one, rose through the ranks and you know, has become what she's become based on based on how good she is and the respect she commands with everybody. Fans, players, coaches, front office. Like everybody everybody respects Doris for what she is. I don't think of her as anything other than been a great uh, basketball analyst.
0: Jeff Van Gundy, if you had to describe him in a word,
1: oh, savant basketball, (laughs) basketball savant.
0: Yeah, that's good. No, he's, yeah, incredible. Uh, Um, it blows me away how many guys I always ask him, Do you want to coach again? And he goes, I really like what I'm doing, but I always see old, some of the better players seeking him out and talking to him, not just after the interview, the, the pre interview, pre game interview stuff, but. But really sort of, okay, what do I need to work on? And he's so giving even now that um, it's incredible. hes You're right. Savant is a great way to put it. Mark Jackson, what would you say his greatest strength is as an analyst?
1: I'll tell you what Mark Jackson is. Mark Jackson is an unbelievable leader. Because hmm. you can, you know, you know his career. You know all the things that he accomplished. And just being around him, you know, a couple years ago, I think it was the NBA. I don't know who was doing these basketball stories about things. And at one point during one of them, they're talking about Larry Bird and his career. And they asked him to describe some of the great basketball minds he's ever seen. And one of the first names he said was Mark Jackson. So like spending time with Mark and doing games with Mark and seeing how he sees things, you can only imagine being on a court with him. When he has the ball and what he might see, you know, steps before other people do. You know what I mean? He just he just has this this visual of the game that's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I I remember they used to say this about Bird, and I think you're right. The same thing, Mark Jackson. He would. Bill Fitch said that Bird almost took pictures of the court in his mind on the floor. It was like back in the day when you'd actually have an old Kodak. It was a kachik kachik kachik. But but I could see Mark Jackson the same way. There would just a "If he knew he had eyes behind his head." And he and it sounds like he, what you said. What you say is he's got that same leadership quality out off the court as well. He just has a there's something about him where you want to follow. I'm still and I went into it in depth with several guests, and they were really thoughtful, including Chris Broussard. But like how how Mark Jackson. Who definitely wants to get back in the league as a coach at some point is is not employable what is that about in your mind you know it's funny I I don't know you know I just know you know
1: you see what he's accomplished as a player he did a terrific job as a coach hey we're 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 winning in this because we have him calling games Right. right and he's terrific you know as you know he's terrific as an analyst and you know, doesn't have a problem speaking his mind. And he's just, you know, he's just an incredible basketball mind. And so, you know, uh, like I said, and the fun part of all this is when you, when you've done it for a period of time, you really get to know people off the air as well as on the air. And it's just, uh, again, just a really terrific person.
0: Yeah. I know you got dinner with the crew later on tonight. I want to just get to a few more uh, quick ones if possible. Um, The, you know you're a big fan of Lombardi. I know from just talking to Bruce Bernstein. If you had to pick one coach that really resembles him in the NBA over time, who, who would you pick? Wow,
1: that's an interesting one. You know what? It's funny. I'm I'm a fan of uh, Lombardi. Did you ever read the book, When Pride Still Mattered?
0: Oh, by Marinus? Mar- 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 yeah. It's incredible.
1: Right. That's, now, again, because all Lombardi wanted to do, he wanted to be the head coach at West Point. Yeah. But he went to Fordham, and they're like, we need a West Point guy to be the head coach at West Point. So <laughs> he, uh, he stumbled into the Green Bay Packers and the rest of his history, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, oh.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? Just anybody who's had incredibly sustained success Right and and done things kind of the right way. So you know what you have to you have to say. Greg Popovich would have to be.
0: Yeah. Oh well, right. I was gonna say Riley, but I think you're right. I would go Pop now, because it just sustained success. His players love him. Uh, he's uh, he's as gruff as they get, but um, but there's a humanity to him that people forget. I still. One of the great stories, um, there was a there's a guy, I don't know if you know his, his name, Dave Copay. And he was the f- uh, first NFL player to come out as gay after his career in the 70s. And he wrote a book about it and got to know him later in life. And he played um, for the Packers, played for Washington. And he played for Lombardi. I- I'm sorry, he didn't play for the Packers. He played for uh, Washington under Lombardi and then George Allen. And And he said there were two different guys. One was, he wasn't a fraud, but he was a showman and he knew some coach. He goes, Lombardi was a person. And he goes, and he knew, he knew I was gay and he knew there was another gay guy on the team too. And he didn't care. And he wanted me in, and he wanted me in personnel afterwards if I could have done it. And he goes, and I'll never forget that at that time, because it was, it was against everything, um, morally in his own religion. And yet and yet he he saw me as a human being, whether he believed in my lifestyle or not. And I thought, that's Vince Lombardi right there. And in many ways, that's Greg Popovich. Well,
1: sounds like
0: sounds like a great leader, right? <laughs> just a little bit. Um uh, all right. Last one. Uh, if if you had is there is there one anecdote that just sticks out in your mind where you either swallowed an M&M or something where you just caught yourself and you didn't and I'm trying to think of something you know leave leave on funny the people would people would fall over laughing. Even if you had that anecdote, I don't think you would give it to me because you would think it was part of the team and you would keep it in the inner sanctum of the ESPN truck, wouldn't you? <laughs>
1: That's probably a pretty good bet right there.
0: <laughs> oh man. Uh Tim Corrigan, thank you. This has been great for your time. Um and Please say hi to all my friends on that side of the world. And um, I I look forward to seeing you at a game soon. I have no idea when you're going to get to Washington to do the Wizards again. It could be 2025. Nonetheless, I will come and see you somewhere. You got it. Thanks, Mike. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to my guest this week, Tim Corrigan of ESPN and ABC. We look forward to all of the big games that Tim will be producing, especially that Christmas Day tilt for the soul of L.A. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, my podcast Sherpa. Big thanks to our editor, Ben Wolfen, for making all the technical stuff work. Please go back and listen to my two-part podcast with former Commissioner David Stern. He opened up about so many topics and truly was unplugged in a way rarely heard. It was epic. Please check out our other weekly Pure Hoops media shows. The soon-to-be relaunched Catch and Shoot 2.0 will still drop each Wednesday, and we'll have more on that soon. The Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman drops each Friday, and Monica McNutt swings by each Thursday with buckets, boards, and blocks. I'm back every Monday. Please rate us, review us, and leave some feedback. Until next week, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise-Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavour. They know honey on pizza is where it's at.